Aloha, and welcome to another Candid Conversation. Today, we're joined by Metz Kramer, who has all manner of thoughts and ideas and concepts and skills <laughs> that uh, he's willing to share with us uh, and you. And um, we're, we're kind of previewing, and Metz will give you the details. In a couple of three weeks, Metz making a presentation to a small business group. And we're going to have blogs coming up tonight and next week on Tuesday that outline what that is. And then we'll have a podcast. We'll broadcast this um, prior to his uh, delivery. So this is kind of a precursor, although you're not going to see it until shortly before. But Mets, um, welcome aboard. I'm glad we have this opportunity. And thanks for letting us walk through this with you in your thought process. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. It, it actually helps a lot. It's uh, it's like a, a big challenging area. Um, and, and specifically the area that I've been asked to speak at at AED is um, the, the internal digitization of a dealership. Like you and I have had a lot of podcasts about external digitization of the dealership, looking at um, how to digitally engage with customers as the demand from customers increases to engage in that way more than uh, just, you know, a salesman showing up or going into the dealership. And so a lot of the focus on going digital is on the external side, the customer facing side. Um, but in my experience, and I work uh, preferably and primarily with small and medium dealers, um, is how do you do digitization internally? And so I've been trying to think through, you know, how do we break it down for people so that they can approach uh, their internal needs in a way that um, prevents them from getting locked up in decisions they made in the past uh, and helps them see the, the value. Um, of doing this, you know, of, of looking at tools. You know, I, I always think it's funny that we uh, we're happy enough to drop 20 or 30 grand on an engine to put in a machine that makes perfect sense. Um, but spend even, you know, 10% of that or 20% of that on some information systems. And that's a big number suddenly. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, to make matters worse, I don't know that people truly understand um, what that means. You know, you bring a system in um, and just talking about digitalization externally with customers is, is a bit of a reach, but internally, just the basic discussion about who owns a specific data element mm -hmm. in your system. Yeah. And what all of the different things are that are impacted by one of those data elements. Yeah. And that's, that's a place of thinking that I don't know that many people in any dealership, small, large, huge, it doesn't matter. I don't think there's many people that are thinking that way or about those things. No. And, and that's, that's kind of an interesting thing, right? Like I'll get back to where people tend to go, but you know, when you when you really look at it, if you if you were to take your dealership, your business, and say it had nothing, you know, you, you put people to work, you give them a laptop, you, and you say, okay, we got to run the business, people. You know, what, what's the first thing that a lot of people will do? Well, they start to make spreadsheets. <laughs> like they intrinsically have this need. They they and there is you know a demand inside the organization to to collect and store information and share that with other people. And, you know, so you get these big shared spreadsheets that everyone is interacting with and, but it happens naturally, right? And left with a vacuum, a void, most dealers, most people at dealerships invent their own solutions because it's important. And, you know, sometimes we call it shadow IT. 
it's like the, the IT department not involved in, in solving right. problems. And so right. people grab what they have, which is most people are comfortable to some degree with Excel, and they start making solutions. And like, that's one of my favorite things to do when I go into places, especially when I talk to admins and coordinators, it's like, show me your spreadsheets. Like, I know you have them. Somewhere you, you have like a half a dozen spreadsheets that are really important. And like, if I deleted your spreadsheets, you would be like furious. You'd feel lost because these are the things. And, and a spreadsheet isn't, you know, Excel is the tool. And we'll get back to tools in a sec. But what's really important is the information. All the information in my spreadsheet. Like, that's what they would say if I deleted them. All my information is gone. And so in, in thinking through this, I was like, you know, if you see that happening naturally and you understand that where they would be upset is the information that was lost when the spreadsheet gets deleted, then it comes to, it come, becomes clear that the most important thing in your dealership is information. That, that's what has the value. You know, and so I, I kind of wrote that down as, you know, the first tenant, the first aspect to think about when anyone, regardless of the size of dealership, starts thinking about, you know, oh, I want to do things more efficiently. I want to do things more electronically. I want, you know, better systems. The, the core of it is the information. It, it um, the ability to shake complex issues down to simple um, points is rare. You know, <laughs> um, information drives everything. And the fact that you use the spreadsheet as an, as, as an illustration, just let me come out of the side a little bit, that should all be on an access database. <laughs> much easier, much better, much more useful, much easier to transition to other departments. However, people are very familiar with the use of a spreadsheet. Yep. And that has overcome selecting, quote, the right tool, which you want to get back to, but yep. to use a tool that they're easy with, familiar yep. with, and doesn't frighten anybody. So implementation of anything, we have to find something that people are familiar with to make it something that doesn't scare the hell out of them. Exactly, yeah. I've been surprised, you know, working with dealers, how confident people can be about the information in their spreadsheet because, because they understand it, because they maintain it, they immediately have a feeling like, this is correct, I trust this. You know, it may not be accurate. There might be lots of bad data in their spreadsheet, but because it's approachable, because they understand how it works, and often because they, you know, built it, um, they trust it. And and so when we kind of take the next step, because we look at information of being, you know, the thing that the dealer should value or that typically everyone understands that they value, you know, a customer list is really valuable. But you wouldn't want to share it with someone and you wouldn't want to lose it, you know, uh, and, and, and all kinds of similar information. And, and yet what I find is that people are in love with or are drawn to tools and, and specifically software tools. So rather than, you know, coming into the situation where they have a need to uh, improve their business efficiency or, or you know just make it more visible to more people um, rather than look at it from an information perspective they start looking for solutions in the form of a tool and they tend to evaluate the solution from the perspective of the tool it's like you know saying i, I need to remove engines in the shop and the snap-on truck shows up and you start looking for the shiniest, best-looking wrench that you think is going to take the engine out. In, in the end, the, the, the wrench on its own will not remove the engine. It will only enable the technician who knows 
and has the information on how to remove the engine to actually pull the engine, right? And we understand that from like a, from that technical service aspect of our business. And yet when it comes to information systems, we go the opposite direction and we get enamored with the tools that we look at. We, we start saying, okay, well, we need something like that. We need to solve this problem. So let's start looking at tools. And, and the challenge is, you know, a lot of dealers don't really know, you know, what the, what the tool is doing. They just see like the interfaces, they get a nice demo, you know, a nice walkthrough by someone who's done a lot of demos. And I can tell you like over 20 years of being involved in dealership software, you know, starting at Tormon and stuff, you know exactly where the little problems are in your software. You know, you know how to talk around them, you know how to avoid them, you know, you know exactly what data to put in to get the right demo and the demo looks great. Like, so it seems like you found the solution in this tool. And so a lot of people then find themselves like, oh, I've solved my problem. I can move forward. This is a really nice tool. And then there's a project to implement the tool and people get invested. And now we're enam really enamored with the tool. You know, but the problem is that I've seen is people forgot to ask some really important questions about that really first thing. The thing that's most valuable is the information that's now going into the tool. It's interesting. And again, go back to the Excel illustration. Right. <clears throat> we're extracting information. We're manually entering it into Excel. And it's, it's kind of what made Microsoft so successful. They created a package, a tool that everybody could understand as opposed to MS-DOS, which nobody <laughs> understood. And, and so if you think about the spreadsheet and you extend it, yes, everybody's familiar with it. And yes, I'm invested in it because I created it. But now we've, we're complicating the spreadsheet by bringing in pivot tables. Right. Yeah. The tables are starting to shrink the number of people that are really happy with Excel anymore. Right. And what they've done with the pivot table is kind of made Excel look like access. Yeah. It's 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 weird, isn't it? It's a, it's an unholy extension of a tool that was, you know, has many good uses and so many terrible uses. And and that's a really important point, Matt's the you and I both, I've been on both sides of those demos. And and you're not going to expose what you believe are problematic things. You're not going to expose what dealers have told you they want to have improved. You just want to sell a product. You want somebody yeah. to buy it. Yeah. And then we pass the ball to somebody else, another team of people from a dealer business system or an outside supplier. To implement it. They yep. know nothing about the business that they're going into. They know nothing about the people and the challenges and the problems, the needs and wants, because that's never been done properly. It's a sales document that you're filling out to help me make my presentation to you. Pretty much. Yeah. And and that's why like when you get to the stage, like, like first when you understand what information is valuable, either that information that you're trying to capture and save so that it can be accessible when you need it, um, or information that you're trying to uh, transact and, and turn into something else for the next stage of that information's life cycle or a transi transaction life cycle. Once you understand the information, that you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish in the business, you can take slightly different approach to the demo. Like one, I, I would never let someone demo the software. Like if you really want to understand how something works, then you should ask them to show you how it would work with your scenarios. I want to do this, right? They're less predictable. You know, they're, they're harder demos for the person doing them, but at least then you start to understand it in the, in the context of what you're trying to accomplish. And you should ask really important questions about where's my data? 
you know, like if the building burned down and we all got out safe and I got my data, probably I can start everything back up in a short period of time. If I lose that, you know, I had a dealer who lost their entire accounting system. It was on an old, like under the desk server and it was an old piece of software and they knew it and they knew it was problematic. And one day it just died. Nothing. Everything was just gone. They had to start from scratch. No, well, yeah, well. and if and they didn't want the software back because they hated it and it was problematic because it was old, but they lost all their data. That's the piece they would have wanted to keep. It's 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 interesting. Now we're being conditioned as people to move away from that kind of approach. Our cell phones, as an example, whether it's Apple or Android iOS or Android, you get regular update notifications. With Android, they automatically start the update. They they schedule it. Yeah. With, with Apple, it's optional. Yeah. So my granddaughter, who didn't want to change anything, she's one of these young people that, you know, I don't want to change that. I don't need anything better than this. This works. <laughs> it's like an old soul. <laughs> that that's exactly what it is. And and she went so far that they stopped supporting her software and all of a sudden she panished. And guess what? She's got an Android now. Yeah. Because it's so much easier, those transitions. But it, you know, going going back to what your points are, those two things, information and tools. How how do we what's the next step? I think the important thing to think about, the important way to consider it is that the tool is disposable. You know, you buy a wrench and the wrench doesn't do the job, you throw it away and buy a better wrench. You know, if the, the, the 12 inch bar that you bought isn't long enough, you go buy an 18 inch and the 12 inches. Now we should think about software tools the same way. They, they should be part of the progression of my business. I'm, I'm not going to use the same tool in other parts of my business for the entire life of my business. Why would I consider that I'm going to find a tool that's going to do everything? And, you know, that's one of the most common things that happens is you, you get a tool and then you forgot to think about, like, what am I going to want to do next? Like, now that I've solved my first problem, you know, what would I want to do next with that data? What would I want to, that tool to be able to do next as I suddenly realize I, I've now solved this problem, I have better insight into what I'm doing, I'm more efficient, I have more time on my hands, what would I do next? You know, that's probably the most useful thing to think about in two ways. One is you should ask when you're doing that demo, can it do that thing that I'll want to do next? Or is it already then I'm out? Or two, recognize that the tool will get you to that next point at which time you know you've changed the value proposition of what you're doing you've changed your capability of what you can do you've grown out of that tool and so you need to move to the next version next tool it's something that will take you further and at that point the important thing is can i take my data over to it can i is that easy what, can that be done? Can I plan for it? You know, is there a, a migration that I can, you know, initiate before I even need to make the switch? Or can I put my data in a place that's safe and, and synchronized so that when that new tool does is needed, I know where to get it. You know, I'm not going to have to go back and ask for, hey, can I have my data? And then your vendor says, um, we don't know how to get it out. Well, the, so what that kind of leads to is a is a chapter heading of transitions, mm -hmm. and the only thing you're not transitioning away from is information. Mm -hmm. That's the core of everything. Yeah, and in the transitions, or go back more fundamentally with information and with tools. What people do in their businesses is with people, if the people don't have the skills, they replace them. Or train them. 
Well, yeah, but that's unfortunately the, you know, I agree with that with, you know, identify the people that you want to keep and make sure that they've got the skills that they need to do the work. Yeah. But they're, they're treating employees like disposable tools, like they're treating systems or needing to treat systems like disposable tools. And they're not. Yeah. Okay. We're less likely to change the software platform than we are to get rid of the person. So the, the trick in there, that, and the way that the dealer management system people are, are pushing it, is that that transition from one system to another system, buying the software isn't the issue. It's retraining all your people. Mm, yes. And the fundamental, so they're making process critically important and transitioning away from process as critically expensive. Yeah, as a means to slow it down. Now, who was it that you had write a blog on? Uh, do we are we afraid of our business systems? Yeah, that was that was Chris Cohort, and and he's he used to run Exact, uh, right. selling software into large caterpillar dealers, and and you know it's, it's it's a valid point. I was hired initially, Matt says, you know, to solve a problem that a consulting company had created by installing a an inventory control system at a Caterpillar dealership. Yep. And so we we look for people to do triage on systems, on tools yep. that we shouldn't have there in the first place. <laughs> yeah. So yep. that, that, that recognition, when you make a presentation to a group of people, the audience really needs help in those areas, don't they? Yeah, I mean, in they need help in the sense that I'd like to get people to keep, you know, these important tenants of what they're trying to do, just like they understand other parts of their business really well, to understand these tenants in a way that will help guide through this internal digitization, to, to make choices um, to see things for what they are, to see value in it, um, so that they can they can internally they can work together to move the business forward. Always asking the right questions when they, you know, see the next shiny thing. You know, um, it, it's it, and value is a big piece of it. You know, um, we're in our industry like tragically behind the rest of business sector, industry sectors, you know, we spend way less per revenue dollar as a percentage on information systems than a lot of, if not most industries. Okay. Yeah. Like the industry average, if you talk to information systems, people is like 5% of revenue. Um, but we probably have people spending like one, one and a half percent on information systems. And but, if you freeze frame just there, cause it's absolutely true. I think, AD and others do do benchmarking. AD has the cost of doing business survey, and and in there is is the cost of data processing, and it runs between one and one and a half percent. And and what happens with metrics, standards of things of that nature, if you're only looking internally, the end is near. You know what? What does the rest of five percent on a hundred million is five million. One percent is one million. There's a world of difference in that four million dollar expenditure as to what you're going to get out of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's there's two aspects of that that make it really funny in a way, that funny peculiar, and not haha. Um, one is, like I said, we're willing to spend thirty grand on an engine at the drop of a hat. We see the value in spending you know, new engine for a rental machine makes perfect sense. Got to rent the machine, need an engine, 30 grand. Great. That's what they cost. Um, and two, and so we don't understand the value of software or for, of information systems. I don't want to say software because of our information platform, uh, which makes it hard to make these decisions just to invest in it. And yet, you know, the other funny thing is that we all spend most of our days staring at our laptops. Or our screens. We have people, you know, dedicated to sitting in front of a computer. And most of us, everything we have to do at work every day is on a computer. And yet somehow 
you know, the value of improving efficiency or improving what we can see and do and understand about our business is hard to manifest in, in an organization, you know? And so part of it is for me is trying to figure out how do you get people to see like, Hey, I did this, I made this investment and I got this return, you know, and I hate using catchy terms like ROI, but in an, in an you know intrinsic way, how do you see like, hey, I did this and I I see the value that I got, and so therefore I want to do it again. It's it's trying to present a situation in terms that everybody can understand that looks at an issue from a different direction, and it it uh, so go back to information for a second because Sarah and I Sarah Hanks and I were talking about this the other day. We have customer information. Somebody has to own that. Mm -hmm. Well, wait a second. The customer information starts splitting down into different areas, like their payment practices, their purchase levels, their gross profit generation, the, the number of contacts or support that they need to get. So we've got comfort customer information. And, and again, talking with people, about information being the core value of their business, which is looking at it in a different way. They've always looked at sales revenue and profit, pre-tax yeah. income. Yeah. That has nothing, that's a that's a byproduct of, that's an outcome from the information you've got in your business. If you sell your business, yeah, and you have no information to pass along to a customer, what's the customer, the buyer? What's the buyer getting? What value is the buyer getting? I don't know who your customers are. Who do I go sell to tomorrow? Yeah. Hey, look at the, the practical side of it. Any dealer will tell you if they sell a used machine and they can give it with a full service history, they get 10% more for the machine. I mean, 10% for a bunch of paper that says I serviced it. Proof. And you know, again, again, it's information. It's that foundational piece, isn't it? Yep. So we go from customer information. Now I also need supplier information. Yeah. I also need financial information. Yeah. I also need asset information. So classifying all of those information pieces is part of the problem because people really don't think about that. They don't. They don't. And that, that it's been one of those. So this gets a little technical, but it, it's been one of the things I've been trying to solve in in our new implementation of visibility is, you know, information and systems can either be designed to follow a process um, and stored that way, which makes it very, at times, very unmanageable because it isn't stored like the way we think as people. And so I've tried really hard in my designs to make sure we store information like, like it represents the real world. Because then the information is transferable, it's understandable, it's relatable. Um, and you can do something with it. If it's, in, if it's embedded in a way that it, it all it does is allow you to generate the process again, then you can't move it very easily. It's not stored the right way. And it's like anyone who writes a spreadsheet to save some information is doing it more often than not in like a real world object kind of way. You know, and that's and that's an important consideration. It's a tough technical question to ask when you're evaluating a platform. But it's like, you know, is this in system managing my information in a way that is, you know, a, a practical, uh, approachable from an analytics point of view, from a you know transference to another system point of view? You know, is is it being managed properly? Does it represent something of value? If it is, then I can do something. You know, it's it, that also brings me back to a typical response of here's a change system, and we're going to make this system do everything that we did before. <laughs> yeah, your, your, your paper to glass and then glass to glass to glass to glass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that that's kind of, I, I was talking about this yesterday when I started. A part sales order was a six-part form. Yeah. With carbon in in between, yeah. with specific colors, yeah. to, to identify salmon, you know, wonderful <laughs> things. 
And so each of these document pieces went different places, ended up in a file. And I kind of, back to your comment from an information perspective, who needs this information? Right. Well, our company does and the customer does. So why do we have more than two copies? One for them and one for us. And nobody can answer that question. Actually, I, I think that's a really in interesting analogy because when you do like a form in, in sexplicit, whatever, six copies of it, and when it was originally designed, you know, for some reason they wanted six copies and every person, you know, every copy had a home. Eventually in time, you know, maybe only two get used and no one remembers why they had six. But in a way, what it shows is that when that information was created in the format that it was created, it had value to six different people. But it needed to be accessible by six different groups or parts of the business um, in a at the time that they need it. Not like I'm going to call over to the department and, hey, can you send me that form that you filled out when you ordered those parts? I'd like to see that. It's like, no, I have my set of copies so that I can do my review and analysis of that information. That may disappear and forms don't um, evolve well, right? They're, they're like static moments in time that represent how the people saw the business and the process at the time. And so they tend not to evolve with the business. They eventually get you less copies are used and someone stops using it because it just, you know, it didn't evolve. Electronic tools can change easier. Well, take, take that again, that illustration. Today, there's many businesses that conduct transactions, which that is. Yeah. Without any paper. Yeah. It's an electronic transfer to the customer. It's an electronic transfer to the company. That's it. End of story. Yeah. But if it's stored properly, six different departments can have access. Exactly. And then go further, Mets. What we also needed before was a packing slip. <laughs> needed a piece of paper to give to the warehouse to go pull the parts. Yeah. I'm writing those right now, actually. <laughs> and, and one at a time. Yeah. One order at a time. Yeah. And and that drove me nuts. Yeah. So I said, okay, why are we doing one order at a time? Well, because they come at different times and there's different urgencies. I said, okay, let's talk about the priorities of the orders. Yeah. Who should have the top priority? An order comes in. There's six guys. We have customer orders. We have branch orders. We have transfers to other dealers. We have service department shop. We have service department field. And we have a customer at the counter. There's six different categories. Who has the top priority? Who do we want to run before anybody else? And who can we delay? Yeah. And and we it was always impact impulse work. It comes yeah. in. We we deal with it. So again, Sarah and I the other day were talking about an airport going through security. What's the mean time before people start getting cranky in a waiting line? <laughs> One minute. <laughs> well, and, and then I said, well, what's the solution to it? And the typical answer, and, and it's, I'm not being critical, she said, well, have more people at those busy times. I said, no. Why don't we eliminate the busy times? Mm -hmm. And so then she comes back and says, well, because we work nine to five and people want to travel 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. And, and get their work done during the day and go back home. Yeah. I said, well, how come we got nine to five? Didn't the pandemic teach us anything with working from home? Yeah. It it we're we're being our our status quo, our approach to life is seriously being challenged. Yeah. But we want to revert back to what it was before. I was comfortable with that. Yeah, we're we're simple creatures. You know, we, I, we, are, we, we really are simple creatures. <laughs> I, I love your standing in line thing. I always bring up with people, I loved when, uh, or is it, it was Domino's, I think. Domino's did their pizza tracker. Do you remember the pizza tracker? Did you ever use the pizza tracker? I mean, yeah. we, all love, we all have garbage pizza some days. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's delicious. Um, but 
So Domino's did this great thing where you order your pizza and then they don't just say like 30 minutes, it'll be there within 30 minutes. It's like they let you see where it is. And if there's anything that manages human anxiety better, it's just knowing where it is. And, and so the line at the airport, you feel better about the line at the airport if there's a sign above you that says 14 minutes. This line will take 14 minutes. You're like, oh, 14 minutes. If you go into the line, have no idea, the anxiety level is way higher. You know, and, and that, and right there is a great example of like customer service, digitization and the power of information if you can you know so many systems you know a customer online orders parts and that's it thank you for your order we'll be in touch i'm like what are you doing but my first feeling is like i just submitted the order i'm like okay now what what am i getting it like all you need to do is like connect all that information you're creating and put it on the screen in front of the guy and be like your part is now being picked Oh, great. I feel better. Like it's still going to take just as long as it was before, but I feel better. It's been picked. Joe has your part and he's putting it in a box. I feel so much better. I'm like totally relaxed about this whole getting my parts on time thing because I know Joe is putting it in a box. It must be getting closer to me. Yeah. Yeah. They've actually done studies on those things, medicine. The first place to resolve that issue was the London Underground. Oh, yeah. They put clocks in each station sufficiently. Mm numbered so that everybody knew how long they had to wait till the next train arrived. Oh yeah. Yep. And, and and then then they started doing it with prescription drugs. Yeah. Having two different colors. Yeah. So that people wouldn't run out. Yeah. And it it and it, you know it's we are so conditioned now. Everything is now 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 now. <laughs> I don't want to wait. It drives me crazy. And yeah. and this customer service issue you talked about, a customer gives us an order, it's $30,000. If he buys a machine from us, it's $800,000. Try and find the salesman. <laughs> they're on, they're gone. They're on the next transaction. Your salesman is now polishing the tires. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's really quite information. It's quite interesting. And that takes me back to information again. People truly don't understand. A- example, sales per employee. That's yep. a metric that is used as an individual measure. Yeah. In 1972, that number calculated out to be $600,000 a person per yeah. year, excluding product support salesmen, excluding the manager. Right. At that point in time, market share for parts at OEM dealers was in the low 80s. Wow. 50 years later, yeah, 2022, that sales per employee number is somewhere between 1 and 1.5 million. Yeah. And market share is less than 40%. Hmm. But because of inflation, sales numbers are higher. So everybody's happy. <laughs> We're doing better. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, going back to information, what is the critical element? What's the most important piece of the information? How secure is it? Like you could scare the hell out of a whole bunch of people with that story about the accounting yeah. tool. Yeah. That's an expensive proposition rebuilding that stuff. I've had to do that a couple of times. It's no fun. <laughs> no, no, I don't I don't think John had any fun doing that. I bet you not. So, so actually, so this this information value or discussion about Pizza Hut and their pizza tracker and anxiety management, like those are all really good examples of what I was talking about earlier, which is like, what do you want to do next? Now that you have this tool and the information going into your tool, what would you want to do next? You know, like so many people have a business system that takes their parts orders, you know, but they when if you wanted to do an order tracker that would be that'd be a great idea you go to a dealer say hey how about you do like an order tracker for your customers on a website so they can see where their orders are like yeah it's a great idea then people would know and they would feel more comfortable and you know they'd want to use us more and place more online orders and all that kind of stuff like how do we do it like well all the data is in this system like, well can we get it out no like, it's stuck 
like a, there's no interface, there's no you know ways. And so the, the third piece after information being the most valuable and the tool being just the way that you manage your information and it's disposable is is integration. Like you have to think nowadays about you know is is this information accessible through integration systems? Can it be integrated into another you know tool? You know another information database. You know and so if the answer is no, <laughs> you know I, I know a dealer who and, and he might hear this, but like the platform they're on, they have to like you know ask very nicely pretty please to get their data into another platform where they could do something like an order tracker on their website you know and and that is probably not something that came up initially and, and they didn't understand maybe but you know the ability to or the fact that your ability is so limited because you, you can't pull the information into another platform into another tool into another system prevents you from growing prevents you from taking that next step now that you see that it's there that integration piece is is actually becoming almost a detriment for people we we have sales force we have crm series we have a dealer business system from sap jd edwards infor cdk Constellation, all these other people, and they all use a customer name. Mm -hmm. And they will, example, on Salesforce, now I know what the calls are that my salesman has made on that customer. But Salesforce doesn't have any revenue information. Right. So what's the value per call? What's the sales output per call? Now i got to get, and that integration tool, somebody's going to make a lot of money coming in looking at all of these disparate business systems and putting them together such that there's a common look at it database. Right. And, and that's a really important thing that you said there, because their integration is really important. The ability for your information to be integrated into other tools that you're using or, or analysis tools is really important. But, and, and what's really easy now, it used to be really hard to have your own database. Now you can go to Azure, Google, whoever, and get a database. You can get a SQL database server running for a hundred bucks a month, you know, and it's like enterprise grade, scalable, everything. And you can store all your data there or back it up or integrate it with other data from other platforms for a hundred dollars a month and have it be safe. You know, it's okay. Use that tool. That tool's a great tool. You know, um, super easy. Get someone who can write some code, and that just from that tool's API, which is what you made sure it had when you asked the integration question, pull that data, dump it into your own database Use, all day long, every day. Careful with the jargon. What does API mean? A API is an application program interface. Okay, and, and it's and really it, it, what does it do? It's the best way to think about it is like an invisible web page. It's like an invisible interface screen to that system that a compu another computer can do what you do through an interface. Right? It, it can ask, and, and, like, give me all, give me a list of all the customers, and then yeah. it responds with, "Here's a list of all your customers." So API again, just to remind people, an application program interface. Okay, so let me let me translate that. That means that your system visibility and my web page, learning without scars, can be integrated without anybody needing to do anything. Well, aside from write the integration code. Yeah. 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 But so we've got you know hooks that we need to create back and forth, and that's it. Yeah, and that that's a, and a really important point is like some people have um, some platforms have some information available through an API, and modern systems have all information like our our platform is built with a 100 api interface everything that you can do in the web interface you can do through the api using any other tool you can build your own apps you can build whatever you want the data is all api accessible and that makes integration with anything really straightforward and you made a very important point there stuff that's developed today 
has all the API's hooks in place. Yep. Yep. The older stuff doesn't. So as an example, with Learning Without Scars, what we're dealing with is creating APIs to schools yep. back and forth. Yep. So i got to have an API to a registration software package at this school, a different registration package at that school. Yep. i got to do a payment, a curriculum, an order list. I mean, it's really interesting. Three different systems at every school and mm -hmm. need APIs. And some of them we can't do. Right. They don't have one. And and case in point is Blackboard, which is what the learning management software is for most schools in North America. Yeah. Doesn't integrate very easily. There's no API hooks naturally. Right. That go to, to others. And, and most dealer personnel... That's that's you're talking a, a different language. You're from yeah. space. <laughs> a little bit. And and, and yet and, but that's critical. For sure. And and the great thing is, in a way, like if you don't have any systems right now, it is easier than ever. It is cheaper than ever. Like you can build an like a serverless app to do an a, a custom API integration in like half a day with a good programmer what used to take weeks or months to program when you had to go to without APIs and stuff. So like to, to the, the modernity, the currentness of the technology is a huge value add if it's been built correctly, because it will let you to do that next thing. It will let you find the value in your information. It will let you transcend the tool that you're enamored with and it'll let you think about what do I want to do next? So the, the the magic with that, and it might be a nice place to, to put a bow on this, is that anybody who has a dealer management system today either has created it for sale or has purchased it for use is at risk. What used to be a 5 to $25 million exercise to create a dealer management software package <laughs> Today can be done for maybe half a million. Sounds about right. <laughs> no, and again, it's just it's it's just estimating things, but it it um it it's going to be it's going to be really interesting as as to how this thing evolves. So I agree with you one hundred percent on information being the thing. I agree with you one hundred percent that every dealer is vulnerable to losing their information, and they yeah. don't have safeguards in place. Yep. I similarly agree with you 100%. They don't have any idea whether they're being hacked or not mm -hmm. because of firewalls and all the rest of that nonsense. And then that the selection of tools is being done by people who don't really know what they need. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just trying to solve their daily, their today problem. Yeah. Yeah. I used to call that galloping diarrhea when I was involved in system design. <laughs> once people saw something, they said, oh, gee, that's really good. Can you do this? Yeah. Because until the people that are using the, the information and are doing the job see what the transition is, what the change is, they don't have any way of visualizing that in advance. That's just not the way they think. And that's fine. Yeah. That's definitely probably the biggest challenge is being able to look past your current problem and the current solution to what they really need yeah yeah that's that's a mouthful um <laughs> hopefully this has resonated with the audience i i think this is going to be a very important subject that you're touching on and i look forward to getting the first piece of your your blog to outline how you're going to approach it and hopefully this has helped you clarify your thinking about it as well so maybe this has been a beneficial thing all the way around it it always good to talk to other people to um, develop ideas. You know, no one has ideas purely on their own. That, that's, I, I found that really rare, you know, um, you know, think, you, you know, you've seen a lot of warehouses. And so for you coming up with ideas, when you see another person's warehouse and what they could do is really easy because you've seen it. And, and so I never fault people when I get somewhere and they can't visualize how their warehouse could be different and better. 
especially if they've only ever worked in that warehouse. It's just not how people develop ideas. They do it by seeing other things and talking to other people. And you know. Well, thank, thank, the warehouse is a perfect example. Look what Lowe's and Costco and Home Depot and all these people have done to their warehouses. Yeah. Customers are walking around doing their own picking and packing. I mean, that's a that's a significant, you know, cost saving. You know, and and now we got well, we're only at I think it's Costco that only takes Visa. They don't take American Express anymore. Yeah, because that two points or whatever the cost component is is significant to them. Yeah, and my goodness, what did that do? So why don't we have warehouses in the equipment business where people walk through and pick their own parts? Why do we have in-store displays? I mean, <laughs> these are all, I think, really rational questions. Yeah. But everybody is in the world that I call fat, dumb, and happy. They're 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 satisfied where they are. They're risk averse. They do not want to. They want to protect the status quo at all costs. Yeah, but like like all the ones you bring up are companies that change the game. You know, the, the mom and pop hardware shop lost to home hardware or, or Home Depot because they changed the approach. And, and so that dumb and happy sitting around protecting the status quo, someone's going to come by and be like, I'm going to change the game on how it's done. And everyone's going to realize, oh, my goodness, this is so much easier. And now you, you have to play catch up if you want to stay in the game. Yeah. Getting people to accept that risk, that yeah. statement that they are vulnerable is is not easy look what amazon did to borders bookstores in general yep and then as you think about time passing look what walmart did initially to pricing when they didn't have to pay for any of the stock that they had available for sale and they didn't pay for it until it was sold yeah i mean it dynamically changes the game in every single case and everything you're talking about here is enabling us to challenge the status quo and change the game. And it, it, it's at a time that with artificial intelligence, data analytics, telematics, sensors, lifecycle management, all of these things, the technology is so far ahead of our application of it yeah. that you're going to be busy the rest of your work life. I'll be long gone before they run out of things to do. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, to some people that'll be a blessing. That's what... <laughs> And that on that bombshell. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good place to say thank you very much for attending. Thank you for paying attention. Mets, thank you for your time and everybody listening. I look forward to having you at the next Candid Conversation. Mahalo. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate your support. Should you have any thoughts or comments, please don't hesitate to contact us at www.learningwithoutscars.com. The time is now. Mahalo.